All right. I am so excited to preach tonight. It has been a while, and I see some new faces here in this room. And so I just want to welcome you. Welcome to Emmaus, and we're so glad that you are here. Um, let's just get right into it, because I got a lot to say today. Um, I started preparing, um, and when I was praying for you guys, I started praying for you guys last night, and I started getting really, really hyped in my heart. I started getting really excited uh, for what God is going to do tonight. And so today's passage, uh, let's jump right into it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, all right? And um, if you brought your Bibles, you guys, you could turn there. But if not, um, I put it up there for us. Can you guys see it? It's okay, right? All right. Here we go. Ephesians. Huh? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. I'm reading from the ESV. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose, to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, Christ, we have, uh, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who work all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Amen. Amen. Father, we invite your presence here, and we thank you that... You are here. Matter of fact, you are probably the first one here because you are excited about tonight. Father, I pray that you would encounter us tonight. I pray that we may encounter you, but I pray tonight, after tonight, I pray that we would live our lives where you would be encountered by us, God. That we would not wait just for you to encounter us, but that we would live our lives, God, where you are surprised by us, where we touch your heart, God. So we ask, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom and revelation to open the eyes of our hearts tonight. And would you take us places and give us courage to go to areas of our hearts that we dare to go, God. Give us courage, Holy Spirit, and lead us. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This evening, I want to bring into remembrance, all right, remembrance. You know, for our generation, we have lost 
the art of pausing and remembering. Right? Uh, I want to bring to our attention and bring us into this time of remembering how rich you and I are in being part of the family of God. All right? In this passage, I pray that as we go through this passage, that this truth would wash over our minds, would bring refreshing to our souls, and remind us that you and I, we are indeed blessed. All right? You and I, guess what? We are filthy rich. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, we are rich. We are filthy rich. All right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of y'all can't say that with confidence, right? We're talking about spiritually here, all right? You and I, we are spiritually ballers, all right? Some country, okay, we, some of us, we don't know what that is, but spiritually, we are rich, all right? In this scripture, the author of um, what we read here, his name is Paul, Apostle Paul. He tags this text, Spiritual Blessings in Christ. He tags this text, the title of what we just read, Spiritual Blessings in Christ, right? And let's jump right into it, all right? It says right here, highlighted uh, in the first verse, in verse 3, it says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. Right? You see, we need to just pause right there and not just rush as we read through Scripture. Because when we read stuff like this, we really need to sit there and pause and take some, take some time to marinate in that. You know what I'm saying? Marinate in that. Let that sink in. And if we meditate on that long enough, we realize that there is an awe and a wonder that follows. Every spiritual blessing from heaven is ours. We are rich. All right? I like how this preacher named Charles Spurgeon, he's old school. He says this. He says, Our thanks are due to God for all material blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for the spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to be satisfied by earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being an heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed infinitely more than to our broad acres of land. God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. And Paul reminds us here that you and I spiritually, we are so filthy rich. Amen? So, And Paul begins to remind us what that looks like in this chapter. Paul begins to list out what is it that we are so rich with. And here it is. Let's just go in order, all right? It says that right there. It says, verse 5, we are predestined for adoption as sons. Everyone say adoption. All right, now, it says that we have been predestined as adoption for sons, all right? This means, it implies this, that you and I, we have the blessing called sonship, right? We have this blessing called sonship. And why is that important? It's because later on in the next chapter, in chapter 2, you know what Paul says? He says, guess what? 
You and I, we used to be what Paul tags, objects of wrath. It says that we, you and I, we are so sinful that we used to be called children of wrath, deserving punishment, deserving death, right? And here says, here Paul says, guess what? We, although that is true, guess what? In Christ, he has adopted us as sons, right? Not only are you and I forgiven and saved, guess what? Which brings us to ground zero. But we are brought into his family. We are adopted into his family. And I want to punch that in some more. I want to punch that in some more. Mercy, you guys, growing up in church, you heard this word millions of times. Mercy is us not getting what we do deserve. Christ, nailed to the cross, he has received what we deserve. Mercy is that we don't get that. That is mercy. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven of every single sin. Hallelujah. Amen? That's good news, guys. But this is what Paul is saying. Beyond that, because God could have just forgiven us and left us, but God, beyond that, he gives us grace. And grace is when we receive something we don't deserve. I'm going to say that again. Mercy is when we don't get what we do deserve. Grace is that when we get what we don't deserve. Did I get that right? Right? <laughs> right? You see, beyond forgiveness, you guys get my point, right? All right. Beyond forgiveness, he offers adoption. He offers us to be brought into a family. We are rich in Christ. All right? Let's move forward. Verse 7, it says this. We also have, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And I love that word, redemption. Everybody say redemption. And we're going to go deeper into this word. All right. A theologian named Guzik, all right, last name Guzik, he says, redemption always implies, get this, a price being paid for the freedom that is purchased. Let me say that again. Redemption, that word to redeem something, always implies a, uh, implies a price being paid for the freedom that is purchased. It's in Greek, which is lutro, it says to liberate on the receipt of a ransom. Which means this, you and I, it says redemption through his blood that that redemption was not free. It cost the life of his son, the spilling of blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, my friend, he's another pastor. He's, he described redemption to me in, in this way, and I love this. I love this, all right? I want you, to guys, ima- you guys to imagine yourself in a pit. Imagine yourself in a pit, and you're trying to get out, but you cannot get out, right? And then God's mighty, righteous right hand, he reaches down. Right? He pulls you out of that pit and puts you on the ground. Hallelujah. Right? You imagine that, but guess what? That is not redemption. Redemption is this. It's when God reaches down his hand. He takes you out of that pit. He fills that pit. And then he builds a mountain on top of that pit. And then he puts you on top of that mountain. That's redemption. Hallelujah. You and I, we got to recognize that, hey, 
God didn't just, when he, when he laid down his life, God didn't just pull us out and deliver us from sin. There is this whole realm, there's this whole world of Christianity. There's this whole realm of grace that I got to ask us here tonight. Are we tapping into that grace? Are we tapping into all that is provided? Or do we just keep in mind, he just pulled me out from my miry clay. Because there's so much more in redemption through his blood. Amen? Come on, right? He put us on a mountain, full redemption, restoring what was lost. All right? Verse 11. And this is the word I want to focus on today. My favorite word in this passage. Verse 11, it says this. Oh, next slide. Right? It says this. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. Come on, somebody, right? Another word for inheritance is birthright, right? Birthright, inheritance. You and I, we have a rich inheritance, all right? And in this inheritance, this is what Paul's talking about, spiritual blessings in Christ. You know that because of sonship, because you and I are adopted into the family of God, naturally what happens is you and I get an inheritance. The same blessings that Christ the Son receives and walks in, the blessing of the Father, guess what? He has invited us into that same blessing. The way that the Father loves the Son with that same love that Father loves you and I. And that is an intense love. To the same degree, He loves you and I. Romans says it this way, you and I, we are called co-heirs with Christ. co Heirs with Jesus Christ. And that blows my mind. That's crazy. That's crazy. Question. I know you believe that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. I know you believe, as we just read, you carry an inheritance. But what does this inheritance cover? What does this birthright mean? Right? There's so much that you and I inherit as sons of God. You know, we receive adoption. We receive, guess what? Kingdom citizenship. We're doing a Bible study right now, right? In our small groups, talking about for the life of the world. What does it mean to live our lives, to bring the kingdom of heaven here down onto earth, right? You and I, we are citizens of heaven, You and I have been given an identity called we are ambassadors of Christ. We have these mind-blowing identities. And, and, And what else is there besides kingdom citizenship? It's heaven later for eternity, but heaven now here on earth. That's part of our inheritance, right? What else is given to you, you and I, as our inheritance is this, authority, power, Amen? You and I, we can walk in authority. You and I, we can walk in power. And sprinkled all across scripture, it says time and time and again, that he who is greater, right, than this world, he lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You and I, we have this inheritance saying that we have authority to walk in this power. But my question is, Have we tapped into this grace? 
Have we tapped into our life as a Christian where we walk in power, where we walk in victory? Do we walk in that truth saying we are more than conquerors? Or do we live our life still being conquered? Right? We have a crazy inheritance that God invites us into. What else is there? It says this, all these things were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance. Guess what? You and I, we have the greatest gift of all. Living in us, walking with us, doing life with us is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We have the Holy Spirit as part of our inheritance. Life in the Spirit, what does that look like? Because you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just pay for our sins. He invited us into an adventure called living life in the spirit. There's so much for us, guys. We have an amazing inheritance. Amen? You and I, we are rich. I want us to just open our spiritual eyes. And just begin to believe what scripture says. You and I, we are so rich. We have so much. God has provided all things for us that we may live an abundant life. God has provided all things for us that we may live a victorious life. Not just forgiven of our sins. We are rich. And you know why we are rich? We are rich because Christ became poor. We are rich. Because the generosity of Christ. Because it says here in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Amen. Amen. We're rich because he became poor. He stooped down. Into poverty. He became sin. Who knew no sin. That you and I. We can become the righteousness of Christ. You see. Why am I preaching. The gospel to you. So passionately. I know. I know guys. I'm preaching to you guys. Stuff you already know. Right. You heard this again and again and again. But this, but tonight, I gotta remind us. In your possession is something that we should not take for granted. You have a delightful inheritance. Amen? So now what? We went through this passage. We skimmed through it. Now what? Right? You know, we're going through a Bible study. And if you're there in the Bible study, we discussed a question. It's a very interesting question. It says, what is our salvation actually for? Right? A lot of us know what we were saved from. But do we know what we were saved for? Right? And in that same way, just as we went through Ephesians chapter 1, I want to ask us again. We know we have an inheritance, but what is this inheritance actually for? Why do we have what do we have? What's it actually for? What are the implications 
of this new identity. Right? And everything that we have, that that the Bible says we have, God has provided all these things. You know why? So that you and I, so that we can live a life of abundance. A life of abundance. The fullness of life, guys. Right? And here we are left now with what we know. With two choices here. To live out and steward our inheritance or to squander it. Or to squander it. Right? How much do we value what has been given to us in Christ? And I want us to get this tonight. To the degree of our gratitude and our awe of all that has been given to us is the degree of our response. I'll say that again. To the degree of our gratitude and awe of all that has been given to us, our inheritance, to the degree of how much we treasure it, to the degree of how much we are so thankful about it, is the degree that we will respond to it. Amen? Do we treasure what we have or do we take it for granted? How great is our response? How great is our response? Right. Four weeks ago, three weeks ago, right? Three weeks ago, I preached here at our first large group. And I preached a message titled, The Worth of Christ. Many of you guys were here. At the end of that message, I felt like the Lord was putting something on my heart, so I, so I shared it. It didn't really relate to the message, right? But I shared it. And I want to elaborate on that. I'm going to share that again tonight. And it is that analogy of from a movie called Ocean's 8. All right? How many of you guys seen any of the Ocean's movies? Ocean's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? I don't know how many there are, right? There's a movie series called Ocean's something, right? And the most recent one is called Ocean's 8. All right? And when I was watching this movie, let me just describe it real quick for those who don't know. Here's what the movie's about. I'm going to ruin it for you, all right? Here's what the movie's about. There's a team that gathers together, and they come up with creative ideas, and their goal is to steal this crazy billion-dollar diamond necklace, right? This baller necklace that is guarded by so many walls, so much security, right? And this team devises a plan on how they're going to steal that diamond necklace. So what do they do? They do this. They make a fake one. They make a fake diamond necklace that looks exactly like the real one. And somehow they get to that vault. Not to the vault. They get to the lady who's wearing it for a night. They steal. They somehow, long story short, they somehow steal that billion dollar necklace and replace it with a fake one. Same weight. Looks exactly the same. Completely off fake that's how they do this and then they make money all right that's how they make money all right now as i was watching this i felt like you know god was putting something on my heart i love using this analogy because it makes so much sense to me we got to understand here that satan 
The enemy, he plays dirty. You know, he hate you. He hates you, all right? He hate us. The enemy plays dirty, guys. And this is exactly what he does. You and I, we have an amazing, we are filthy rich. We have an amazing inheritance, identity, sonship, Holy Spirit, all these things. But sometimes what the enemy does is he replaces our inheritance with a fake one. And many times I feel like in our lives, especially if we grew up in the church, we read the Bible and we read the lives of the Christians there. And it is powerful. It's impactful to society. And I ask myself, how come it doesn't align? Something is off. Could it be so that we have been living a life that looks exactly the same, but it's not real? Could it be so that the enemy has taken a life that we were destined for and that we've been living a life that's powerless? That was me for so many years. So many years. I never knew of my inheritance. The enemy just come, swapped it out, and I never lived a powerless life. You see, for us, I'm here to reclaim. I'm here to declare tonight, we are here to reclaim everything that the enemy has stolen. Amen? See, we opt out sometimes for a powerless life. We opt out for a life that is not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we opt out for what they call the Christian American dream. The Sunday Christianity. A life devoid of the principles and values of God's word. How much has Satan tricked us? Right? Is there, is this all there is to this Christian life or is there more? Have I not tapped, tapped into my inheritance? Amen? Are we living the real thing? Are we living the abundant life that Christ calls us to live? So there's this verse we should all memorize, right? John 10.10. It's as a thief. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everyone say abundant life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were created for abundant life. Amen. Amen. Come on. All right. It says in this passage here, That Jesus came and he died on that cross and he rose again and he did all that he did that you and I, we can live an abundant life. I like to say that as the fullness of life. Now, if you can just imagine for yourself and imagine this question, answer this question to yourself. As a Christian, what does that look like? The abundant life, the fullness of life. What does that look like to you? What do you imagine that to look like? Can we honestly say that the life we're living right now, we can say that I have been living the abundant life that Christ destines for me to live? Can we say that, guys? You gotta, we got to examine our lives when there's a gap. If there's a gap, we got to examine our lives. When Jesus says here, I have come so that you may have abundant life. 
Jesus is not talking about, when he says abundant life, he's not talking about a long life. He's not talking about an easy and comfortable life. He's talking about a full life. He's talking about a powerful life. He's talking about a life where you can navigate this hopeless world with hope. He's talking about a victorious and powerful life. You know, you and I, you, you are a powerful person. I don't know if you believe it, but you are a powerful person. You have the power to navigate this life in victory, in hope, not just for yourself, but for others. You are a powerful person. The enemy's full-time job is to do whatever it takes to sabotage sabotage life abundant. He wants to sabotage fullness of life for us. And he does this in the form of stealing, killing, and destroying. He wants to steal your inheritance. He wants to steal your identity. There's someone in here, your wallet was stolen, right? Somebody in here, your wallet was stolen. We're talking about it. You know, when your wallet gets stolen, it really sucks because all your ID cards get stolen. And sometimes you need your ID cards to have access to certain things, right? You know, when it comes to our identity, the enemy begins to whisper different identities into us that are not true. And the enemy begins to, he begins, he begins to steal our God-given identities. You know what the enemy also steals? He wants to steal not only our heavenly riches, he wants to steal your joy, he wants to steal your peace, we got to understand that the enemy, Satan, is passionate about, passionate about destroying your life. Like, we can't pet it. We can't mess around with it. It's, it's, not, it's not a game. The enemy wants to destroy our lives. Right? He wants to steal away our purpose. He wants to steal away all these things. He wants to destroy our lives. You know why? Because he uses this thing called sin. Sin blinds us from our inheritance. Alright? Stay with me, guys. Alright? Here's how the enemy works. The issue is sin. It's our personal sin. When we give into temptation and we're locked into certain addictions, when we begin to do these things and make choices to fall into sin, it blinds us from walking in our inheritance. It blinds us from walking in power. Our own sin. But it's not just our our own sin that we got to take responsibility for. It's the sin of others. Another word for this is called injustice. All of us in here has faced and experienced injustice in our lives. It's the sin of others that hurt us. And we are, when we are hurt, the enemy begins to lie to us, paralyzing us from walking in our inheritance. All these things the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Two weeks ago, Kate, she preached a message at Joint Large Group. And she preached on uh, about this guy named Jacob. Right? You guys remember? You guys were there? He, she preached about this guy named Jacob. Heel grabber. Heel grabber, right? Deceiver was his name. Today I'm going to share a little bit of something about his brother, Esau. Right? Jacob had a brother named Esau. Their father's name was? Isaac, right? Isaac. 
Isaac. <clears throat> now, the Bible says that his brother, um, Jacob's brother Esau, he was a burly man. Right? He's a man's man. Super hairy, muscular. He was a hunter, right? Um, I imagine like Game of Thrones. Like, like <laughs> don't watch it. All right, never mind. <laughs> like a burly man, Esau. One day he was out hunting, getting some game, right? Bringing home dinner. He comes home and he is famished. He's so hungry. And then his brother Jacob, he's cooking some lentil uh, stew. He's cooking some chonggukjang, right? He's, I don't know, right? He's, he's cooking a little some some, right? And then Esau, he's hangry, right? He's hangry. To the point where he goes up to Jacob. I mean, let me get some of that. I just came home hunting. Let me get some of that. And Jacob's like, nah. You know what Esau says? I'll trade you. Give me some of that soup. I'll give you my birthright. So give me some of that soup. Give me some of that chongukjang. Let me just get a little bite, right? And I'll give you my inheritance, my birthright. You see, Esau, he was the first son. And in that tradition, the first son gets two-thirds of the father's inheritance, everything that the father has. And the second son gets one-third. And he's saying to Jacob, hey, I'll give you my inheritance. I'll give you my birthright. And then Jacob's like, all right. (laughs) Jacob's like, let's do it. He trades his inheritance for for a bowl of soup. What does that bowl of soup represent to us, guys? It's a temporary satisfaction, right? You see, Esau, he didn't know what he had. He take it for granted. He has this crazy inheritance, but he didn't treasure it. He didn't see value in it. You see, he traded it in for just a stinking bowl of soup. That satisfied him momentarily. And for us, what does that mean? You know, for us, we have a delightful, we have a crazy inheritance. I I say that again and again and again. But I got to admit, even for myself, how many times have I traded in my inheritance? And fallen into the very thing that satisfies me just temporarily. All right? The enemy comes and he tempts us. Gratify your flesh. Right? Fall into this lust. Fall into this, you know, coveting. Right? And we fall into the very thing that just satisfies us just temporarily, foregoing the abundant life that God has for us. We do the same, don't we? We forego our inheritance for the bowl of soup. Right? And I'm here to say today, we got to tap into this inheritance. We got to figure out what is this thing that we have. Amen? Same thing with Adam and Eve, right? They had a crazy inheritance, they actually had everything. God said you could have everything. Just don't touch this one tree. 
This one tree represents that bowl of soup, right? Just that one thing. Don't touch it. You got everything else. You have all this. And they give in. They give in. Right? Uh, this illustration, this is the best illustration that I can give when it comes to the enemy stealing away our authority, our inheritance, our identity. And I'm sure that this analogy will connect with all of you guys because I'm sure you guys all watch this movie. <laughs> this movie is called The Lion King, right? Raise your hand if you have never seen The Lion King. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? You guys have all seen it, right? You see, in The Lion King, the king of the jungle, his name is Mufasa, right? Mufasa is here and he has a son and his name is Simba. Now Simba, he's next in line to be king of the jungle, right? But all of a sudden, there's another lion that comes through and whispers these lies into Simba's ears and his name is Scar, right? Scar begins to intimidate and scare Simba. And Simba, he begins to run away to do life with a pig and a rat, right? Do life with Timon and Pumbaa, okay, Meerkat and Warthog, right? They do life together. And he learns this new lifestyle titled Hakuna Matata, right? Means no worries for the rest of our days, right? No worries, just be chill. Right? While everyone's dying out there. And then there's that emotional, crazy scene where, you know, Nala, you know, his boo, comes through. And Nala's like, you gotta come back. People are dying. And then he looks into the water. And he looks at himself. And he's filled with shame. And he's like, no, I can't. And then he sees... Mufasa in the sky. And Mufasa <laughs> looks at him and he says, Remember, right? Remember who you are. Right? Remember who you are. Right? right? <laughs> and then he goes back. Right? And then retakes his inheritance. He reclaims his inheritance. He gets on that rock. He roars. He lives out who he is. He lives out who he's meant to be, and then the kingdom is restored. In short. Isn't that a lot like us, right? Maybe some of us were living that Hakuna Matata lifestyle. I just want to live life where I don't have to worry. I just want to stay in comfort. I don't want to go near anything that threatens my security that I've built. Right? But let me tell you something. There's something so much better. You have an inheritance that you are called to walk in. Amen? To make it simple, it's this. The enemy steals away our inheritance through temptation into sin. He destroys our lives that we may now walk, that we may not walk in our inheritance. We each are on our own individual journeys unto wholeness. And it's through vulnerability and authentic communities that we journey together. This is what this semester is going to look like, guys. 
in this community, we journey together to tap into that inheritance once again. I know you guys want to live that abundant life. I know deep somewhere, somewhere deep in your heart, there is something there that says, if this is Christianity, then I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Now, I'm going to show you a graphic, all right? This graphic, all right, it's a graphic of a tree. It is something that we can go through the whole semester. If we can, I can take the whole semester to, to go through this teaching, all right? But I just wanted to give you a glimpse of what a life opposite of the abundant life looks like, all right? This graphic shows the desires of Satan for our lives. It is a life distracting us from walking in our inheritance. And as we go through this, these slides, deep in your heart, I, I want to ask you to ask Holy Spirit to begin to highlight things in your heart. Is this true in my life? Are these things holding me back from living in the life that you want me to live? Right? Oh, that's super, right? <laughs> that's not it, all right? <laughs> so there's this tree, all right? I know you can't see it, but let me describe this tree to you. This tree, in the root system, there are things that are causing bad fruits to produce from our lives. All right? Now, this thing, right, in the bottom, the roots, right, it's the point of origin. And I don't have time to go through all four of these. But I want to go through two of these today. The two that I already touched on. Open door to sin. It's talking about the sin that we fall into. The decisions that we make, right, to put us into bondage. When it comes to sin. And the other thing is injustices. The things that people have done against you. The sin that people have caused to hurt you. To cause you to make certain decisions. It's all sin, right? Now all these things, what happens is, it produces fruit in our lives. And we're going to go through every branch here. And each of these branches, it represents what you call strongholds. Everyone say strongholds. It's these things that are deeply rooted in our hearts, causing us to live a certain way. All right? The first is this. When it comes to the sin of ourselves, our own sinfulness, and the sin of others that they have inflicted us with, one of the things that um, the strongholds in our heart is rebellion. Right? And some of these uh, leaves, okay, these are called leaves, all right? Some of the leaves and the fruit of all these, of rebellion, is we, 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 we fall into drugs and alcohol, right? Disobedience. We become very critical of each other. Judgmental, critical speech. Confused state. Hatred of authority. Sexual sin. A life of independence, right? These are the fruits of rebellion, and for some of us, maybe, that our own sinfulness, or even the sinfulness that others have caused us, has caused us to live in re- re- you know, rebellion. If you heard my story, that was me. That was my stronghold. All right? Another one is, a big one is shame. Everyone say shame. The very thing that caused Adam and Eve to hide from God, when all God wanted to do is draw them near and clothe them. Right? Shame. You see, when we fall into sin, a lot of the times the enemy attacks us with shame. And these are the things, these are the behaviors 
that we begin to habitually go by. It's self-condemnation. Maybe some of us, we struggle with comparison to others. What shame does is it isolates us. We begin to withdraw from community. Right? Avoidance. Because we don't want anybody to find out of everything I've done. Right? The next stronghold is pride. Right? And the behaviors that come out when we live a prideful life is this. We become argumentative, self-sufficient, independent, inflexible. It's the opposite of humility. We have this stronghold in our heart. It's hard to walk in community. How many of you guys like prideful people? People, Nobody, right? Next is this. Everyone say passivity. passivity. All right? Passivity is branched off of fear. But when you live a passive life, when passivity is, is, is deeply rooted in our hearts, the behavior that begins to happen is laziness, procrastination, apathy, irresponsibility, and self-focus. Right? Maybe some of us struggle with this. Right? The next branch, the big one right here is fear. Fear of the future, fear of man, fear of rejection, just fear. And, And if this is you, where we struggle with anxiety, we're constantly in a perpetual worried state, we struggle with perfectionism, we feel restless, we struggle with skepticism, we struggle with control and letting go. Fear is a crucial stronghold that we all got to deal with, right? And the last two is bitterness, which leads to behaviors of isolation, self-pity, hateful acts, withholding, skepticism. And for those who have been rejected, for the sin of others that have affected you. If some of you guys have been bullied growing up, maybe abused by your mothers and fathers, you re- maybe some of you guys have experienced rejection in your life. This is the sin of others. This is injustice. And it's caused you to live this narrative in our minds of rejection. And this leads to behaviors such as distrust, being defensive all the time, signs of depression, being competitive, skeptical, self-mutilation and suicidal thoughts, and rage and anger. If these are some of your behaviors, this whole tree that I'm showing you here, you know, I... Every summer I run a whole school. We go through details of this, right? But tonight I'm just giving you an overview. The reason why I want to show you all these things is this tree, if any of these behaviors you can relate with, these are the things that we need to deal with in our hearts. These are the things that God is inviting you and I to take courage to maybe go through some certain past memories that have caused this. You know, in a May, something that we love to do is we love to walk through these things with you. If you're struggling with certain addictions, if you're struggling with certain mindsets, right? If you're struggling with fear in certain areas of your life, we need to trace back We need to dig into our past. We need to find the injustices of others. And we need to deal with those things. We need to deal with these things that maybe it's our own sinfulness that's causing these things. 
And I know that I'm going long. And I just want to close with this. Right? The reason why I'm talking about these heavy things is this. You know, my heart as a pastor, and us here as a staff, and God Himself, His desire, I said it again and again and again, His desire for you is wholeness. His desire for you is the abundant life. And maybe there are questions in your mind saying, there's something about my life, it don't look abundant at all. I'm struggling with this, this, and this. Guess what? Holy Spirit wants to guide you through. What is causing this? What is, as we trace back into things that are causing this, we want to deal with these things. Because if we don't deal with these things, guess what? We don't live our, our inheritance. We will be paralyzed from living out the destinies and the life that God has for you and I. Amen? How many of you guys want to live in freedom? How many of you guys want to live that life that is abundant? Because once you begin to live a life that is abundant, you not only get set free, guess what? You get launched into an adventure where you start setting other people free. That's abundant life right there. Can you imagine your life without fear? Can you imagine your life without unbelief? Can you imagine your life without passivity? It's possible. It's our inheritance. It's been given to us. Amen? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask Michelle to come. She can just play um, the guitar for us. And, you know, this kind of message, it's not an informational message. This is not a counseling class, right? This is not a class where you just take notes and say, oh, this is what the Bible says. This kind of message that has to do with freedom, that has to do with the deep things of the heart, these are the kind of messages that we need to engage with God. These are the kind of messages where we need to ask Holy Spirit, is there areas in my life, God? Is there areas in my heart, God? Where, Where there needs to be healing? Where there needs to be freedom? Are there areas in my life, God, where I've constantly been trading in my inheritance for just a bowl of soup, for, for just something that temporarily satisfies? Right? I want to ask us all to stand.